This morning we'll be in 2 Kings chapter 6, and if you will, go ahead and turn there, uh, and we'll stand here in just a second when you get there. Um, uh, but uh, as you know, uh, our pastor's on vacation, so you get to hear from the family pastor. Uh, I am very nervous about this passage. Um, there's not a lot of um, uh, there's not a lot of information on Second Kings uh, chapter six that that I had physically in my hand, and so uh, I really got to collaborate this this week with local pastors and people that I, I deem much wiser than myself, and to help me uh, through this. And so hopefully today. Uh, As we dive in, um, I believe this will bless you just as much as it blessed me studying for it and being able to to write this down. So we're at 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 through 23 this morning. If you would, please, if you're able to, please stand. We'll start in verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place I shall... I shall be, my, shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Sumerians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about, the, about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who... Of you as uh, for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrian came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elijah said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you've taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. You may be seated this morning. Each Friday night during football season, you will find me on the sidelines 
of the White Plains Wildcats. I love being on the field with the coaches and players each Tuesday afternoon before practice. Coach Tyree allows, uh, allows me to have what FCA calls a huddle with athletes. This is where we teach them about Jesus and how we are to have excellence, integrity, teamwork, and to serve one another. I love being a character coach for FCA. Uh, the reason why we call ourselves that as Christians is we can, have, we can only have true character with Christ. And also from the freedom from religion, uh, people don't, they, they get upset when you say that you have a chaplain talking to students. Um, and so we, th that is our way kind of around that. But I love being uh, with FCA because I, it allows me to be in the schools and to pour directly into the coaches who are themselves pouring into our teens, right? See, I also meet with a couple of coaches each week, uh, each Tuesday morning at the high school, and then starting this week, actually meeting with uh, some more guys on Thursday morning at the middle school. I get to pray with them. I get to disciple them each week. I love, I love, I love, I love being a character coach for FCA. Now, I believe that the coaches like that I'm there. I believe, I believe so, right? It helps uh, keep the athletes accountable and, and really tones down the cussing if we want to be real with it, right? For some reason, when there's a pastor on the sidelines, they, they let a few less fly, right? Plus, I get to be coach's Tyree line coach, which means uh, I pull him back whenever he uh, starts losing it on the sidelines. He hasn't lost it at all this, this year much, hardly really much. <clears throat> but I, I, I think, I think, I think that I'm liked by the coaches. I, I really do. But I know, I know that they would love me. They would love me so much. Like there would be no doubt if I had the gifts like Elijah, right? For example, if I knew every play that the opposing team was going to run and could get that to the coaches and stop the play before it even was executed, I would be the most sought-after character coach in the nation. What happened yesterday would not have happened, right? Right? I could just lean over to the coach and say, hey, they're going to give it to number six. They're going to run it through this gap right here. Get you guys ready, right? Like, Auburn might win another football game if they had somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? I know that seems far-fetched. <laughs> I know. But it could happen. It could happen. So I'm praying for the wisdom of Elisha to be able to be Auburn's uh, character coach one day for FCA. No. But no, that's exactly where we find ourselves in today's passage. God is spoiling every play that the Syrian army keeps planning because of God's knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. And so that's the first thing that I want you to see this morning. Is uh, that the, the first thing I want you to see this morning is that we need to open our eyes to God's knowledge. We need to open our eyes to God's knowledge. The Syrian army keeps planning attack after attack on the people of Israel. And somehow Israel is always one step ahead of them. And, and the king of Syria is, is absolutely puzzled by the fact that they are able and they were able to do this, right? So much so that he thinks that there's a mole in, the, in his midst. That's what I would think. But we find out in these first few verses that it is, in fact, God speaking through Elijah in order to, to protect the king of Israel and the people of Israel. God is feeding every play that the Syrian army plans before they even Execute it. So look back with me at verse 10. 
And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. The plans of the enemy were continuously being spoiled time and time and time again. And they would return empty-handed with no victory many times. And this is frustrating. See, the king of Syria's eyes were not open to the fact of God's knowledge. This is why all of his raids into Israel fell. He was not surrounded by spies or some sort of conspiracy theory. No, he was surrounded by the all-knowing God of Israel. Listen, church, every thought you have, he knows. Every place you go, he's there. Every move that you make, he's watching you. Way before seeing in the police, God is the original rider of every breath you take. Right? Everybody with me? There's nowhere you can go or hide to escape God. Every one of us is completely surrounded by God. This is frustrating and often suffocating to those who oppose God. But for those of us who love God, this truth is comforting and encouraging. Let that sink in with this morning. But we see, we see the king of Syria here who is absolutely outraged. Absolutely outraged at the fact that he calls a meeting with his leaders to get down to the bottom of this. So look, at, look with me at verse 11. And in the mind of the king, Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? The king suspects a mole or a snitch along, uh, among his leaders. And we all know what happens to snitches, don't we? Right? And I can imagine them all looking at one another at this point, like, is it, is it me? Is it you? Is it like, and they're about to throw some shade. I mean, there's no doubt they're about to throw somebody under the bus. And like, this, this is what it is. And, and, uh, but we see what happens in verse 12. And one of his servants spoke up. He said, none, my Lord. Think about that guy. Just saved everybody in that room, right? None, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. I'm not sure how this servant knows what's going on, but uh, he knows the truth of what really is going on, what really is happening. Elisha has access to everything that you say, even behind closed doors in your bedroom. Everything you say, Elisha hears. Now we understand it's not really Elisha, that's hearing the king, but God's knowledge of everything. He, is, he has, uh, has the same knowledge when it comes to us as well. See, the word of God tells us in Psalms 139, O oh Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search me. You search out my past and my lying down and my uh, acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. The all-knowing God surrounds us. There, there is nothing that we say, plan, or think that the Lord does not know. The Lord knows with no effort on his part, right? God has us completely surrounded by his knowledge. The word of God is seeking to open up our blind eyes to this fact this morning, to this reality. Even what you say 
and what you think in your bedroom at night. When you think that you're alone, all alone with your thoughts, he's there. I was talking to Donna earlier. Um, uh, I go by the middle school oftentimes and be able to counsel students. But I always, for some reason, Donna is a sounding board for every message that, I, that I'm, I'm writing. And um, so we, we got to thinking, we got to talking about thoughts and like, God knows our thoughts. Like, that's, that's like, that's scary. We were having a theological debate right there in the middle school office area uh, with uh, the principal and uh, everybody. I don't know how it got started, but for some reason, we just started thinking about thoughts. Like, that's scary, right? That's scary to think about. Um, like, I know this is Halloween season, but like, good night. This is the scariest thing that I could ever think of, right? Uh, imagine your thoughts being displayed uh, for everyone to see. I, I, I know, I know that I would be running in terror. It's terrifying to even think about. If people really knew what was going on in my head, <laughs> I would not be up. I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's scary to think about. And yet, God knows. God knows our, our deepest, darkest thoughts. It's display for him, right? As Christians, we need to, we need to have our eyes open to the reality that, that all wisdom and understanding is, is God, is in God. And to those who have been united to Christ by grace through faith, you have access to such knowledge. We have been given the Holy Spirit of God. We have been given the gift of knowing the one who knows everything. There is no problem in your life. There is no situation in your life that you can face that the Lord does not know and doesn't understand and will not give you the wisdom to act wisely. See, we're scared of this wisdom. We're scared of it because it, it knows what we, what, we, what we think and what we say, right? But we're afraid to go to the same wisdom and say, God, I want that. God, I want to be wise. God, I want to not think these things. God, I want to not, not, to, not to say these things, right? God, we can, we can go to the same God that knows our thoughts. And he can grant us the same wisdom that Elisha has here. Just as he gave Elisha the wisdom he needed to protect Israel, he offers that same wisdom to you and I. But, but that only happens, that only can happen if we truly seek that wisdom and, only come, uh, and it only comes from God and not the things of man. Not the things of man. But for those of us who disregard and oppose God's wisdom like the king of Syria here, see, even with that knowledge that I just said, even with that understanding of I just said, we find ourselves a lot of times just as the king of Syria. Even with the knowledge that was told to him, he continues to be the fool. He continues to be the fool. I mean, every one of his plans have failed. Think about it. Every one of his plans have failed so far. He, is told, he was told that Elisha could hear the plans that he was making behind closed doors, and yet he makes another secret plan, right? To go and to get the very one that is listening and is being fed the plans of every conversation that he has. We see that in verse 13. And he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told to him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots 
uh, and a great army. It wasn't just a few people. This was a great army. And they, they came by night and surrounded the city. Why, after plan after plan, the king of Syria continues to plan, even though every one of them failed? We're thinking, why, why this again? He's not the only one. Psalms 2 tells us this way. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves, uh, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The king of Syria continues to play the fool. God knows everything, and yet we still make our plans as if he, we can control the outcome somehow. Psalm 2 reminds us that our plans are futile, right? We must open our eyes to see God's knowledge for our lives. The next thing I want you to see this morning is we need to open our eyes to God's presence. We need to open our eyes to God's presence. See, Mason... Is, uh, is here with me this morning, and I'm actually going to talk to him, or talk, talk about him. So, Mason, good job. Uh, but Mason is terrified of the dark, just like we all are at, at that age. Um, he's in here, so I have to make sure we say that. <clears throat> Especially now that we live uh, with our parents while building our house. So often we will ask him to go take the trash out, and, and he has to walk maybe 30 feet uh, from the garage to the trash can um, outside at night, like like. Instant fear comes over him when, when he is asked to go into the dark at night. Like he, he just, uh, because he, we're, we're out in the woods just a little bit further than what we used to be, and we can hear the coyotes like really well at night. Uh, and it didn't help any, this is my fault, I'm just going to uh, like apologize. It didn't help any that he was going to cut his basketball lights off at, at night, and I opened up the window upstairs and howled like a coyote. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, he came back in so fast. I don't, he didn't cut the lights off. But his whole body was like drenched in sweat, this instant fear. It was like the meat sweat you get sometimes, you know. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. But it was, this, I mean, like just instantly drenched. And he was fighting mad. I mean, like I've never seen him so mad before. Like he was throwing punches. Like, like not like, you know, he was mad. I just you go put it out there. He was, he was mad. And I thought it was funny. I was laughing as he was kind of throwing punches because he was fighting mad. Uh, my parents didn't think it was so much funny. Um, they, didn't, they didn't find it hilarious at all. By the way, um, they did the same thing to me growing up. So I don't know why they got mad. And I, I, I want to know where all this compassion was when I was growing up uh, and afraid of the dark. Um, because dad would like go through the house cutting lights off. And then he would like hide somewhere. And jump out and scare me, and like I would almost pee my pants. My my mom was in la- like in the living room laughing her head off. Like they thought it was hilarious. But you, they're the grandchildren. No, nah, no, you can't do that. Dad was a stealthy joker too. I'm telling you right now, he could get in some places I didn't know he could get in. Like, but yeah, yeah, there was no compassion for me growing up. But there's plenty of compassion for grandkids. Um, but no, ever since. I howled like a coyote. We now have to walk out with, with Mason and with our children uh, to help him to take the trash out or feed the dog or cut the basketball lights off, right? But each time that we, that we do, I try to make it, make it a point to comfort him, 
right? I've scared him, so now I have to comfort him. I really have to do a better job at this. To reassure him that we will never ask him to do something that will, uh, will bring him harm. To reassure him that we are here and that we are never, or that, we, that we're always going to protect him from danger, right? Like, you don't have to be scared of those coyotes because I am bigger than the coyotes. And I will, I will, I will rush them. I will shoot them. Like, we, we will we'll take care of you, right? Each time he goes outside. But presence, presence matter, doesn't it? Presence matter. It changes our outlook on things when our mom, our dad, remember walking through that with you, right? Presence matter. Hold that image in your head. Hold that image in your head because it's going to get good. Now, I can imagine... <clears throat> I can imagine the surprise on the faces of the people of Dothan when they wake up to find that they are surrounded by the presence of the Syrian army. No one is more in fear or surprise than the servant of Elisha. Verse 15 says it like this. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Listen to Elisha's response. Verse 16, he said, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Elijah. Like, there's a whole army outside that's going to destroy us. What? Don't be afraid. What are you talking about? And then Elisha says these words. Church family, these are the words that uh, don't be afraid. There's an army outside. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, right? These words, don't be afraid. These are the words that are said, through us, said, said to us throughout the God's word. In fact, it's mentioned 365 times in the Bible. It's repeated to us over and over and over again. Don't be afraid. Fear not because God is with us, right? And so he knows this. The servant of Elijah knows this. He, these, these words resonate in his head, but yet here he is. We find himself right, right in the middle of it, afraid. After seeing and experiencing and, and witnessing all this. Don't be afraid. What do you mean don't be afraid? But I can almost hear Elijah saying it the same way that Dale Turner shares wisdom with us on Wednesday mornings. And it's easy, calm voice, like nothing bothers him. It, it, I, I want to be that when I grow up, right? Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He's not shouting it. I don't think he's shouting it here. He is, he is cool, calm, and collected. Now, I can picture myself yet again in the servant's shoes, looking around, saying, there, there's, there's more of what? There's more, there's more of us than there is of them? Like, Elijah, what are you smoking? Man, there's, 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 like, there's, like, there's like 10 of us. Like, there's, there's a few servants and, and you. Like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Where, where are these people at? Then Elijah prayed and said, oh, Lord. Please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. For the first time, for the first time, the servant could finally see past the enemy and saw what was surrounding his enemy. It's getting good. It's getting good. The horses and chariots of fire are a sign of the presence of God. Just as we are surrounded by the knowledge of God, we are surrounded by the presence of God. Throughout the Bible, we have a continuous promise of God's presence with his people. He says in Isaiah 41.10, uh, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, this came up 
This came up in one of my commentaries. I wanted to, I wanted to share it with you uh, that I was studying this week. And, and one of the coolest things that I never realized about this passage was the Lord was defending Elisha from death with the same instrument that we, we found out last week or last a couple weeks ago that Elijah was protected from death and even taken to heaven. Right? That must have been amazing to see. Not, not just one chariot. Elijah and his servant saw the army of the Lord. This must have been amazing and breathtaking to see. But what's more amazing and something that we often forget is that we have the ruler of the angel armies. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit within us helping us to navigate life, bringing us comfort and healing in times of need. And yet we are blind to the fact that we are surrounded by the very presence of God. You see, we look out on the troubles of life and we fear, just as the servant of Elijah did in verse 13. So do we call out saying, alas, what shall we do? The answer is you don't need to do anything, right? We need to open our eyes to see the truth that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. When you are in times of trouble, when, when you don't know how you will pay that bill, when you are waiting on the results of a medical test, when you feel like you're about to enter into another low of depression and you think that you can't go there again. Whatever trouble surrounds you, we need to pray that God would open our eyes to see that even though we are surrounded by our enemies, that our enemies are surrounded by God. We need to fix our eyes on God and not look to the things of this world because where we look makes a difference in how we respond. The issue is not if the Lord is present. He is present. The issue is do you look with the eyes of man and respond in fear or do you view life's struggles through the eyes of faith and ask the, ask the Lord to open your eyes to his presence? When the enemy is at your door, where do you turn? When you are fearful for our nation or your family or your health, where do your eyes go? Do your eyes go to Fox News? Does your eyes go to Web Indeed? Do, do they, or do they go to the word of the Lord? There, there's nothing wrong with getting information. Don't, don't hear me say that you can't do those things. Right? I'm, I'm the world's worst. I will go to Web Indeed in a heartbeat when there's a bump that comes up. It's just, just it is, right? It's just natural. There's nothing wrong with getting information and being informed, but, but, but you need more than information. May our eyes be open to not just the enemy that, uh, of this world, but what our enemies are surrounded by, and that is the very presence of God. Whatever fear you may have, what, what, when you feel that the enemy has surrounded you, you need to go back to Romans 8.37. Uh, know in all these things that you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be reminded that we are always and forever surrounded by the presence of God in Christ Jesus. May we open our eyes to God's knowledge. May we open our eyes to God's presence. And finally this morning, may we open our eyes to God's plan. Just as this servant goes from blindness to sight, we also have an army that goes from sight to blindness. Look at me, look with me at verse 18. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. 
So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Now, it is assumed that the Syrians were not physically blinded, but like a Jedi mind trick, right? Like Obi-Wan Kenobi, these are not the droids you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. Move on, right? This is, this is, this is, this is that kind of blindness. Um, um, not to say that God could not uh, have blinded them, but most scholars believe that they were more confused than blinded. And this is why they say that. They knew where they were at. They, knew, they, they were coming down the hill to get him when they were struck with this type of blindness. Elijah did that Jedi mind trick, right? And he said, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. The army's like, yeah, oh, oh this is not the city? Oh, yeah, this is, this is not the way? Are, are, you're, you're not the man? Yeah, yeah, we'll follow you, yeah. Because they didn't follow Elijah down the road, just, you know, a few feet, a few blocks. They followed Elijah 10 to 12 miles, right? Let's keep reading. Look at verse 20. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elijah said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, my father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? The king saw an opportunity to take the battle into his own hands here. Even saying twice, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? Talk about kicking somebody when they're down, right? They're right in the middle of them. But, but you've got to understand, these are not his prisoners. They belong to the Lord. The king of Israel is not the one who has surrounded them. The Lord has. Look at verse 22 through 23. He answered, you shall not strike them down. What Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your, your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. When the Syrian army's eyes were finally opened, they could have hoped for a quick execution. But instead, they received grace. They were fed a great feast and set free. This is amazing to think about. The enemy is in their grasp and they just feed them and let them go. And I don't want you to miss this this morning. Is God didn't need anyone to accomplish this task. He didn't have to blind them and use Elisha to lead them to the very heart of the Israelite army. He didn't have to go, he didn't have to open their eyes and prepare for them a great feast and just let them go. This would have not been our plan. This would not have been my, my plan, at least, right? I would be with the king on this one. They keep coming at us, let's take them out now, right? This is our chance to stop it once and for all. Rather, God is moving to show them and us the reality of his power. He is saying that at any time and at any place, I can destroy you. For you are completely surrounded by my plan, not yours, but by the providence of God. 
And the Syrians finally see this as well. The last part of this text says, And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Of course they didn't. Look at the disaster that just occurred. Look at, look at what they learned. Look, there, there's no plan that they could make. Uh, they, they learned a lesson that we all need to come to terms with today. There is nothing that is impossible with God. There is nothing that, we, that he cannot do. He does, he does whatever he desires to do. Psalms 135, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and in the seas and in all depths. How foolish it. How foolish is it of us to try and outsmart, outplan, outmaneuver God? See, what this text is telling us is that because we are surrounded, our only hope is complete and total submission to His grace. As much as we want to identify with Israel in this text, we are sinners that have come against God. We are children of wrath. We are born enemies of God. We are not Israel primarily in this text. We are first and foremost Syria. The ones who have come against God. We were once blind, but now we see. We were once headed for death to which we all deserve. But God made a way for us to live with him forever by sending his son. Oh, I pray that you have seen God's love for us this morning in this passage. See, we deserve to be destroyed. But instead, God offers us a feast at his table and shows us grace upon grace each and every day. Hopefully today he has opened your eyes to see that because Whatever you are facing this morning, Christian, whether it is finances or sin or maybe depression, I know I've I've expressed this in in past preaching. These past several weeks, I have been going through this deep, dark depression in my life. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why or how long it's going to be. I'm slowly but surely getting out of it. But as I was reminded last week, yet again, and she had no idea what I was studying, That's not it. You're not alone. You don't walk through these things alone. You're not walking through your depression alone. You're not walking through your, 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 your sadness alone, right? You're not walking through your health issues alone. Hopefully today he has opened your eyes to see that. Whatever is coming against you, Know that you are surrounded by the all-knowing, ever-present, providential God of creation and that there are more that are for you than those who are against you. Let's pray this morning. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, and what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.